Hey, here's a bit of coaching heresy for you. Sometimes it's fine to be negative. Put on your Morrissey t-shirt and join me for a deep dive into why it's okay not to be okay. to the academic imperfectionist. I'm Dr Rebecca Roach. I'm a coach and a philosopher at the University of London and week by week I'll be drawing on philosophical analysis and coaching insights to help you dump perfectionism and flourish on your own terms. Hi there gloriously imperfect people. It's important to be positive right? It's good to look on the bright side to see the glass as half full rather than half empty or is it? In this episode, I want to talk about the value of our negative side. The reason I think this is important is because it's just all part of being human. We all complain, we all moan, sometimes we all wallow or feel sorry for ourselves. And yet it's really common for us to feel under pressure, either from ourselves or from others, to be more positive, to bounce back, because it's just a waste of time being negative. It doesn't do anyone any good. And perhaps we should leave our negativity in our teenage bedrooms with our Morrissey records and our copy of the bell jar. But I want to push back against this. I mean, of course, negative patterns of thinking can sometimes bring us down and stand in the way of where we need to get to. But negative feelings have a place. They have value to us. And that's what I want to focus on here. I want to focus on the positive side of negativity. And I want to start off by suggesting to you that negative feelings, emotional pain, is comparable to physical pain. We can be injured emotionally just as we can be injured physically. And just as it's important to recognise when we are injured physically, it's also important to recognise when we've been injured emotionally. So a person who doesn't realise or acknowledge that they've broken their foot and continues on with their active daily life risks doing themselves a lot more damage. And something similar is true with emotional injury. If we're emotionally hurt, then ignoring that and pushing it aside can actually do us more harm. I mean, this is part of the problem with burnout. People tell themselves they're okay, that they can keep going. And sometimes they end up with problems that could have been avoided if they'd recognised when their emotional pain started, you know, their sense of exhaustion, overwhelm, anxiety, and taken steps to nip that in the bud. And I suspect that one problem here is that we think it's bad to be negative. I mean, that's why it's called negativity, right? And so when we feel bad, when we feel exhausted, when we feel anxious, we try to make the best of things. We try to carry on. We try to do things to pick ourselves up and do as much as we can just to continue our daily lives. And that means that we think of ourselves as weak or failing when we acknowledge that we're struggling or that we feel bad. And that links in with the stigma against mental illness, you know, the old pervasive belief that mental distress is not real, or at least it's not as real as somatic illness. I want to point out that the pressure that we constantly feel to be positive encourages us to push aside our negative feelings, to ignore them or to minimise them. And often, believe it or not, that means that we can be really stressed, exhausted, unhappy, depressed, anxious, without even realising I've seen this again and again in my clients, that sometimes it's only after a period of time talking about their lives that it occurs to them that they are actually not very happy. And I think this points to the conclusion that 
the pressure that we feel not to be negative results in our being out of touch with our negative feelings and not recognising when we have them. But I want to say more than this about the value of accepting our negative side. I think not only is it valuable to recognise and acknowledge and act when we feel bad, but also feeling bad and expressing negative feelings by, for example, complaining and moaning and doing the sorts of things that we usually think are not very healthy things to do does actually have a place. And one way of viewing that is linked to the comparison I made between emotional pain and physical pain or emotional injury and physical injury. Sometimes with pain, physical or emotional, we just need to wait it out. We need to let it pass before we can pick ourselves up and carry on. And this is something I realised myself a couple of years ago when I ended a relationship. Immediately afterwards, when I was feeling a bit down about it, I found myself just automatically defaulting to trying to see the positive side of things, you know, telling myself it was for the best. And I was putting this pressure on myself just to kind of get up and carry on as normal. And then I realised what I was doing and I questioned it. I asked myself, what would be so bad about giving myself permission to mope before I dusted myself off and carried on? Because I was hurting emotionally and If I'd been hurting physically, you know, if I was ill with flu, then nobody would expect me just to dust myself down and carry on as usual. We'd all expect that I needed a few days in bed to let my immune system fight the virus and get things back to normal. And so after that relationship breakup, I decided to accept that I was going to feel bad for a little while. And when I did that, there was just a sense of relief, a sense of letting go, that sense of a burden being dropped. That was how it felt. And I was quite struck by that because it hadn't occurred to me before how exhausting it can be to be positive when you're not in the right frame of mind. We can think of ourselves as having an emotional immune system, just as sometimes when you have the flu, you need to rest and allow your immune system to do its work and make you better. Resting after an emotional hurt can allow our emotional immune system to do its work. And it's just something that we have to accept that we're going to feel bad until our immune system kicks into action because of that, it's as unkind to ourselves to reprimand ourselves for feeling down after a relationship breakup or some other emotional hurt as it would be to reprimand ourselves for needing to spend a couple of days in bed when you've got the flu. So there's one way in which you can be okay not to be okay. And let's just take a moment to notice what a weird idea that is, that we live in a world where it's a thing that happens if somebody makes a podcast telling people that sometimes you feel bad and that's okay. I mean, why wouldn't it be okay? You don't get people making podcasts telling you that if you stub your toe, then you're allowed to feel pain, right? And let's view the weirdness of that to be a little alarm bell. Living in a world where people need to be told that it's okay to give themselves permission to feel emotional pain is not a good thing. Now, I want to get on next to the idea of complaining or moaning. And you might be a convert to the idea that it's okay to have negative feelings and that that's just something that happens. But the chances are you're not a huge fan of moaning or complaining, at least when other people do it. And the chances are you feel like this is something that you shouldn't really do yourself. We have an attitude that if there's something in your life that you don't like, don't moan about it do something about it, and then you won't have anything to moan about. Simple, right? But I think this overlooks the value of the activity of complaining. Perhaps you've had the experience, I know I certainly have, of complaining to somebody about something, and they respond by suggesting solutions to your problem. 
And sometimes that might be what you need and that might be welcome, but often it's not. Often you just want the person you're talking to to say, oh God, that sucks. I completely understand why you're so annoyed about that. I would be too. In other words, sometimes by complaining, we just want to feel seen and validated by another person. Sometimes we know exactly what we need to do to solve the problem. And sometimes we might even have put steps in place to do that, but we might like to moan about it anyway. And I think it's telling that it's not just anyone that we'll go and complain to. We might have certain friends that we go to to complain about certain things, a certain trusted colleague that you'll get together with to complain about your co-workers or a certain family member that you'll go to to complain about other members of your family or family friends. And that points to the fact that there's an element of trust here, that often when we complain to somebody, we're taking them into our confidence. We're telling them things that we wouldn't like them to repeat. We're trusting them with a view of ourselves, with our guard down, a glimpse into ourselves when we're not our best, when we're not putting on an entertaining, positive, happy face to the world. And to trust another person with that side of ourselves can be an important part of friendship. Complaining, you see, moaning, sometimes completely irrationally, can be a way of connecting to another person at a time when we really need that. And I think there's an important distinction to draw between this sort of complaining for connection and a situation where your default conversation style is complaining, regardless of who you're talking to. I mean, then it starts to look less constructive and healthy. Because if you're complaining to people indiscriminately, you're not doing it for validation or connection. And so we might wonder how it's serving you. Now, you might be wondering, especially with the pandemic going on, global warming and what often looks like a descent into political chaos. What if you do have reason to complain all the time? There is a lot that is negative in the world. But I think also there's a balance to be struck here between recognising that things might not be going very well for you or in the world generally for whatever reason and flourishing as much as you can in the circumstances in which you find yourself. And so I want to suggest something to you and this is something that worked for me in the past. So let me tell you a little bit about the background here. When I finished my PhD, I didn't go straight away to work in academia, partly because I'd had a really stressful time doing my PhD and I kind of wanted out of it. So I went to work in corporate IT and I knew from the very start that it was a terrible idea. It just wasn't me. I was a square peg in a round hole. And I realised quite quickly that my decision to leave academia had been an overreaction and that I wanted to get back in. I wanted to get an academic job. Now, initially, all I could focus on was how miserable I was in the job that I'd chosen. And many other people who started at the same time as me felt similarly. And we used to complain to each other to the extent that that's kind of all we talked about for quite a long time. Now, in terms of bonding with these people, that wasn't really a bad thing at all. I'm still in touch with some of them almost 20 years down the line. But after a while, I realised that it wasn't something that was doing me any good longer term. It wasn't helping me get where I needed to get. And I kind of felt like it was going to send me mad to be complaining constantly about a problem that I wasn't doing anything to solve. Just felt really emotionally unhealthy. And so I made a deal with myself. I was only allowed to complain about my job if I was doing things to get myself out of it, to get myself where I wanted to be. So in any day when I hadn't done anything to move myself along the path to where I wanted to be, I wasn't allowed to complain. But on those days when I'd worked on getting academic publications out, updating my CV, applying for jobs, seeking out certain people for advice and so on, then I was allowed to moan. 
And that actually worked pretty well. I thought of it as buying moaning credits for myself. And I found that useful in two main ways, I think. The first is that it stopped that feeling that I was going to send myself mad. You know, it stopped me feeling that I was moaning about a situation that was a dead end. And it started to feel more like something more transient, a situation that I was complaining about, but which I was working my way through. And of course, I didn't know that I was going to succeed, but taking steps towards getting to where I wanted to be felt kind of necessary for my sanity. And secondly, that combination of taking practical steps to get to where I wanted to be and complaining about where I was actually worked quite well together. Because as you've probably experienced, when you're taking steps towards getting to where you want to be, where where you want to be is something quite different from where you are now, then each practical step that you take can feel a bit like a drop in the ocean. Excuse the mixed metaphor there. It can really feel like you are going nowhere for quite a long time. But actually, the little moaning sessions that I had with my co-workers went some way to helping me stay motivated. Because when I looked ahead to where I wanted to be, which was in an academic job, that felt so distant that as a pull reason, you know, as as something that was pulling me towards it, it felt pretty weak. But the job that I was in, the one that was really making me miserable, was actually a really significant push factor. And especially in the early days, it felt like my motivation to work towards the sort of lifestyle I wanted was more about running from what I didn't want rather than running towards what I did want. And probably in any change that we make in our lives, when we think about how we're motivated to make it, there's a mixture of being motivated to move towards something and also an element of running from something. So running from the situation that you're currently in that you don't want to be in. And depending on where you are in that process, one of those can often loom larger than the other. Certainly when you're quite close to your goal, your focus might be exclusively on that goal, on running towards what it is that you want. But in the early days, when that goal feels pretty distant, we're more focused on running from something, on escaping a situation that we don't want to be in any longer. Now, that's not to say that it's a good thing to lose sight of where it is that you want to be going. It's more that an awareness of what it is that you're trying to escape lends a sense of urgency. And so for me, those moaning sessions with my colleagues were hugely important in maintaining momentum. I couldn't afford to slow down because look at where I was. And that's not to say that that felt very nice because it didn't. Reminding myself of the aspects of my life that I was unhappy with made me feel bad, but they also motivated me. And so moaning done right can be a good motivator. What I'm inviting you to do here is, if you're the sort of person that feels bad about being negative, replace that blanket negativity is bad thought with something more nuanced. When you feel bad, you can ask yourself, what is it that I need right at this moment? Do I just need time to rest? Do I need to connect with somebody? Or is there a change that I need to make? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Your negative feelings can be your friends. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Rebecca Roach and you've been listening to The Academic Imperfectionist. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast app you like to use. For more information and updates about the podcast, my coaching, or just to get in touch and say hi, please visit the website at academicimperfectionist.com. Follow me on Twitter at Academic Imp or on Facebook at Academic Imperfectionist. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
Oh.